0: When we went to speak to the Education Committee,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I Ah. I said, I know nobody wants to put mandates anymore on schools. I came out of business. I understand there's some cost involved. But my question to them was, how did you learn about personal finance? And is that the way that you want our students to learn?
1: Good question. And
0: resoundingly, it was no. (laughs)
1: This is The Full Story. I'm Tom Kuzer. Earlier this year on The Full Story, we explored efforts to expand financial literacy in Connecticut and New York. One project that's in the works is a collaboration between the Wakeman Boys and Girls Club in Bridgeport and Webster Bank in Stanford. They're creating a finance lab for the students when the club opens later this year. I spoke with Marissa Wiedner, the Chief Corporate Responsibility Officer at Webster Bank, At the time, schools were not required to teach personal finance. And I asked her at what age she thought kids should start learning about how to handle money.
2: Oh, I I think kids should be learning about finances, to your point, in grade school. Um, And there's many programs that are out there that help deliver that. Unfortunately, it's not a requirement in all school districts to have financial literacy curriculum. In some there is, and in others there's not. I would just say... I can give you my own experience, why I'm personally passionate about it, aside from the fact that it's my job to be passionate (laughs) about it. But I have two young boys, one is now a senior in high school and he had come to me last year and we were talking about classes and I I was like, oh, do you have a financial literacy class? And he said, no, he was like, but I'm good. He's like, cause I got the guidance and the teachers told me all I need to do is pay off my credit card bill the minimum payment every month and i'll be okay because i was telling him he needs to build credit and i was like wait a minute i'm sorry what'd you say and he was like i just need to pay the minimum payment every month and i'm in good shape and i was horrified because of course i work for a bank and i was like we need to have a financial literacy class we need to sit down and walk you through what the impact of making only a minimum payment would be and so you think about that's my son who you know has access to me to be able to teach him that thank goodness but there's many, many other kids that they have no idea.
1: I do have one other question. What role do you think finance labs can play in the economy of, in this case, communities of Bridgeport, but in any community where where students can uh, take advantage of this sort of thing?
2: I think you're going to see an impact. I think you're going to see just by, by having that education and that awareness, people start making different decisions which can, in my opinion, really turn around a community and enable folks to start planting those seeds, if you will, for creating generational wealth, whether it's a savings mechanism and understanding compounding interest and and what that looks like and how you can actually make your dollar go further. If if we don't have access to that information and we don't know, then we can't expect that, that that's going to happen. But when we start Making that more broadly available and people understanding how far their dollar can be stretched, or better yet, different mechanisms to save and make that exponentially more in the future, I I think it can turn around communities over time, right? It's not the only answer, but it's helpful, and I think that it's our job to try and enable folks to have the opportunities to level the playing field.
1: Well, soon financial literacy will be part of the curriculum in Connecticut. In July, Governor Ned Lamont signed a bill that makes it mandatory for high school students to take a financial literacy course before they graduate. At that signing, the governor said the requirement was, quote, simply common sense. And again, quoting, this course will help give every student a better shot at financial success. Financial education is as important as math, science and reading. Barbara Angicola Manzoli supported that bill, Senate Bill 1165. She is also a personal finance teacher at Lewis S. Mills High School in Burlington, Connecticut, and she joins me now via Zoom. Welcome to the program.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Certainly. Could you tell us what's in Bill 1165 and how will it help students, do you think?
0: So let's be honest. None of us learned about personal finance well at home, we learned a little bit, and then a lot of it we learned on our own. This bill is going to ensure that every student that goes to a Connecticut high school will have one semester of personal finance. They're gonna get the basics. They're gonna get the basics about budgeting and credit cards and banking and planning for their retirement. I just read an article, it was from Next Gen Personal Finance, And it said that the biggest thing young adults wish they had learned about more before jumping into it was credit cards. So if we can give them a basis to start, then they know to ask questions, then they know to do research. So I have been wanting this. I got my first grant from the state of Connecticut in 2007 to teach personal finance. Here we are in 2023 starting with the graduating class of 2027. And they now, we know, will have a basis of learning in personal finance. It's important. How can they go into the military, to the work, a two-year college, a four-year college, take out student loans, buy a car, do any of those things without this?
1: So just so I understand, 2027, the graduating class of 2027, meaning... This year, the is freshmen when...
0: coming in mm-hmm. will have to have a semester of personal finance. Now, there are lots of schools, ours being one of them, that already has that as a graduation requirement. So, for those that don't, they're giving them time to be able to set up their curriculum to get there, decide where it's going to be taught out of, and and there's so many options, Tom. You can hook up with the state of Connecticut's community college. It's called the School to Career Pathway Program. I teach a personal finance class for a semester using their book, their curriculum. And when my students finish and take the exam, they've earned three college credits. That's one option. We have a regular personal finance class, another option that's a semester. And then we have a full year consumer math class that will also give them a math credit. So I foresee schools doing a couple of different things to be able to meet this requirement so that all levels of students are getting it at a level that makes sense to them.
1: How do you determine uh, at the end of a semester, at the end of a class, that uh, you've been successful in teaching someone how to do this? Because it may take 5, 10, 15 years before it really comes to fruition. How how do you know they've really... Mm -hmm. Uh, ingested what uh, what you've taught them about personal finance
0: i am very blessed i always joke that my students never go away and they don't <laughs> i hear from them all the time when they buy their first car they'll tell me i did this when they're going off to college when they're buying their first house i've heard from some of them go at least i had an idea of what they're talking about and so On Facebook, I posted um, a little blurb about the bill and how I was involved and how excited I was, the outpouring of former student comments about how much this helped them and how when they went off to college or to their jobs and finding out what people didn't know, how much more prepared they felt for what was coming up in life.
1: You mentioned the schools that are not doing this already. Based on the bill, they have four years to prepare for the change in the curriculum. And I'm wondering, speaking of finance, is there funding built into this bill available to help schools implement and develop this course? There is not
0: funding built into the school. Here's the good news.
1: Seems ironic. Every
0: school (laughs) could get free curriculum from several different groups out there that will provide them with curriculum written to the standards It will provide them with activities and case studies. It will provide them with videos. It will provide them with assessments. So I believe I have this correct. This class can be taught out of three different departments. It can be taught out of the business department. It can be taught out of the math department. And I have been to national conferences where it has been taught out of family and consumer science. So. Is there a cost involved? I'm not sure. Is it a matter of us looking down and adjusting schedules? Absolutely. That's what we had to do. We as a school had to look down at who is teaching what and how and figure out a way to still offer all our classes that we were offering and input this. At this point, I am I am teaching completely personal finance and one other college level class. And then we have one person in our math department teaching it. And we've been doing it for a couple of years now. And we've been able to cycle through our juniors and our seniors without any problems so far.
1: Earlier this year, uh, as you mentioned, you went to the Capitol in Hartford with a group of current and former students to testify in favor of the bill that was before the Education Committee. A bipartisan vote passed it. How did lawmakers receive your testimony as you were delivering it?
0: I have, and I brought a, I brought a parent too. I have one parent for the last 20 years. His name is Bruce Daigle. He has come, he's a financial person. He's come and spoken to my classes and he felt so passionate about that, that he joined this. We were listening to other people testify. We listened to, I believe it's Ms. Tucker, the department of education. And she was talking about how we can't have any more mandates on school, how we can't put any more pressure on school. I listened. To representatives while other people taught were talking saying i will not vote for a mandate i'm not doing it we can't do it i'll tell you what changed their minds those three students and that parent that came with me yes did my testimony was my testimony passionate i'm sure you got that from me i love talking about personal finance i think it's extremely important listening to those students who said You would be doing wrong by us if you don't mandate this. We're telling you that we want it and that now you should be listening to us. We're the people that are coming forward and saying this is what we wanted. So besides the four, three people I brought and the parent, I had students submit testimony and there were so many that did and talked about what a difference it made and why we need to as a state join the other at that point 20 states in our country. And, and you know there was, were we're no what Governor Lamont just put something out. we were rated number two in education in the country again. How were we then the 21st state to adopt this? right? Isn't this the big big part of education? Should it be taught? People were arguing it should be taught from kindergarten on up. I don't disagree with that. But we're not there yet, so let's start with what we can do. Let's get those juniors and seniors ready to go out into the real world. They're spending money now.
1: The uh, nonprofit group, as I understand it, Next Gen Personal Finance, organized efforts to uh, get this bill passed in in the state. And according to a press release from the organization, you began teaching finance courses, as you mentioned, back in two thousand seven. How did you get started? What uh, what what puts you in that uh, in that particular vein?
0: We received information in our department from the state of Connecticut saying, hey, we have some grant money. And if you apply for this grant money, we will assist you in setting up a personal finance class and getting it off the ground. And that's what started it. Shortly thereafter, I found out about Jumpstart, which is a national organization, and I started attending their national personal finance conference for teachers. It is the only conference I go to, and the reason I like it is if something new is happening, if there's new free materials out there, they have people there. Tim from NextGen Personal Finance is on a personal mission. Besides nextgen.org, they have another organization. It's their 2030 mission. They are working um, within the United States to get all 50 states with a personal finance requirement by the year 2030. They, this year, they are up to 24. We were 21 and that just happened. Since us, three more states have done it. I listened to the testimony the night that it was being debated in the house. And I have to say, I understood people don't want to put mandates on schools. I'm 61 years old, the education that I had versus the education that these students need now is completely different. And if we don't do this, were we really doing right by our students? You know, we can send them off to four-year colleges, two-year colleges, trade schools, the military, but let's think about it. If they don't know what to do with their money, how are they gonna be successful in life?
1: Why, Why is there a difference now? in in terms of the kind of education students need to understand personal finance versus what, uh, what you and I learned? Number
0: one, they have more disposable income than you and I ever had at their age. Number two, they are being bombarded by companies and organizations, you know, get this credit card, buy this car, do this, do that. I think the keeping up with the Joneses is more peer pressure on them. And if they don't understand that the day they start their first job, they have to start thinking about retirement. My grandfather owned a bakery in Waterbury. He didn't have a retirement plan. He had to be smart with his money. My dad's father worked at Chase Brass in Waterbury. He had a pension his whole life when he retired. Those times are changing. And there are not a lot of guaranteed pensions out there. If we don't teach people that you have to plan for your retirement, you have to start putting money away at the very beginning. We're living longer. Women in our family live between 90 and 100 years. That's a long time. My mom retired at 63 years old. She lived to 93 years old. That's 30 years she had to have money ready for, for her to be able to maintain. I also think they need to learn about this because we all decide to retire at different points in time. Teaching is my second career. I was a human resource professional. By 61, most teachers have retired. I'm not ready yet. I'm getting there, but I'm not ready yet. So I think that people are working longer. People are not staying in the same job, one job forever and then leaving. So if we don't give them information about how to save and grow their money. And then that piece that you were taught probably at home, how to share your money, whether you're doing that through church communities, whether you're donating to organizations that you believe in, we want that to even be done wisely. You know, I teach students how to go online and look at their favorite organizations to see how much of that dollar is really going towards the charity. And we talk about, Everyone's got a voting dollar. Every time you spend a dollar, you voted. You voted for that product. You voted for that store. You voted for that town. So if kids are doing that at a younger age, young adults, my students are juniors and seniors, as far as I'm concerned. They're young adults. They're not kids. Then if we teach them to spend that money wisely now, that will only carry over to their adult life.
1: How do students respond? How do you convince... uh... 16 17 18 year olds eighteen-year-olds—that they right now have to think about money f- that they'll be dealing with 50 years from now when they retire how do you get them interested in in thinking about that because they know they're going to live forever <laughs> right
0: several ways but i'll tell you my way that i catch them into this class and i very really have a student that does this project and doesn't have some sort of awakening. So the first day they walk into my class, we talk about the class, we talk about everything else, and I let them know that on September 1st through September 30th, they are going to track in an Excel sheet every penny they spent, whether the money is from them or their parents, their car insurance, their phone bill, their lunches, what they spend on the weekend, if they go out to a restaurant, they have to jot down, what was the cost of their meal? I've never had a student do this and not at the end go, oh my God, I did not even realize how much money I spent in a month. Olivia Gumula, I don't know if you saw any of, the, of my students um, when they were interviewed for this, but Olivia summed it up and she goes, I realized how much money I was spending on money going out and wasting. And my other student, Will Hoffman, talked about what he and his friends were doing instead of going out to dinner. And my third student that came to the committee to speak, her name is Allison Rao, she was at that point, a senior at Trinity, she just graduated, and she spoke to how this class helped her in college, how this made a difference with what she was doing with her money and how she was spending her money and how she was getting prepared to go from a senior in college to an adult out on her own. And I'm happy to say she just got her first apartment.
1: What about students who don't have very much, if any, disposable income? Right. What, what's That's the That's where storytelling comes in.
0: Mm. Um, I grew up in Waterbury. Um, I'm fourth of four children. My dad owned a small paving company. I always joke that I always thought we ate macaroni because we were Sicilian and Italian. As I got older... <laughs> I realized we ate a lot of macaroni because it was what my mother could afford, right? So I share stories from my personal life of what I had to do, how I had to save for a car. That how, no, It doesn't matter if you make $5,000 a year or $500,000 a year. You have to live within your means. So whatever pennies you have, whatever money you have, you have to be wise about it. And that most of us don't start out with a lot. But if we don't learn to manage a little, you're not going to learn to manage a lot. And then I'll bring in articles and stories about famous people or athletes or other people who have gone bankrupt and what that has done for them and what their advice is for people to avoid this.
1: Do you know, have students that you've taught, uh, have they taken what they learn in these courses and um, bring it home, perhaps influencing how their families and their communities think about money?
0: Parents tell me all the time I make for interesting dinner conversations, <laughs> especially when we're talking about wills and living wills and funerals and car insurance and all those things. Look, most teenagers have seen a card that goes in their glove box, right? The ID card for their insurance. They've never seen an insurance policy. They've never seen the breakdown of it. They go home and they ask these questions. So at least in my district, are all of my students doing that? Of course not. But are a lot of my students doing that? Yes. Are a lot of my students reaching out to me when they're in college or when they're doing other things and we talk about the value of money or do you really need to spend that? I'm an enormous thrifter. I always joke, I've been thrifting before it was the popular thing to do. So we talk about thrifting. You would be amazed at how many students thrift and how many students realize we talk about, you need a pair of sneakers. Do you need that $150 pair of sneakers? We talk about value added to your life. My students crack up every time I tell them I do not do my taxes. They're like, you You teach us how to fill all these forms out. You teach us about 1099s. You teach us about all of this and you don't do it. I said, nope, that's value added to my life. I want to put all the stuff together. I want to give it to my accountant. I want to know that it's done. On other things, yeah, I'm cheap. I don't ever buy coffee out. I try to avoid ATM feeds. I teach them this little secret. If you need money and you're out and you're not near one of your ATMs, Go into CVS, Walmart, Target, buy a 99 cent candy bar, buy a drink for $1.29. It's still gonna be cheaper than the ATM fee and you have a tangible product in your hand. I can't tell you how many of them have told me they've gone off to college and shared that with all of their friends. Simple little things. You don't need a lot of money, Tom, to have to understand how you're spending it. And you don't need a lot of money to be able to save a little You know, I challenge them to save change. I challenge them to save a dollar a week while we're having our class. I'll I'll put little challenges out there. And, And as you said, not all students can do that. But the concept, the understanding that we're in charge of our money. I tell them there's three things they have to care about in life. They have to care about their character, which they're in charge of. They have to care about their money and they have to care about their credit score because all three of those are going to dictate future things in your life.
1: I think we've just got uh, a free course in uh, personal finance here during this uh, conversation. Barbara Angelicola Manzoli is uh, someone who supported a bill recently signed by Governor Ned Lamont in Connecticut that will mandate for high school students in Connecticut personal finance courses before they graduate. And she is also a Personal finance teacher at Lewis S. Mills High School in Burlington, Connecticut. Thanks so much for your your time, your insights, and uh, your your teaching here uh, today. We it appreciate was it. It's
0: absolutely a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for doing this and helping us get the word out there. It took ten years for them to get this bill passed, but we did it. And if you mean if you meet anyone that knows me, if I haven't talked to you about personal finance or talked to you about money, then we really don't know each other yet. <laughs>
1: Well, it's been a pleasure to get to know you here today. Again, thanks. We appreciate your time.
0: Thank you. You have a great day.
1: That's it for this chapter of The Full Story. Be sure to keep up to date with our latest podcasts. Subscribe on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Full Story is produced by Fatsu Sangare, Sophie Kamizzi, and senior producer Ann Lopez. I'm Tom Kuzer. Thank you for listening to the full story.